And here we go. The Sprista's Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zach Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Don't be crazy, Justin. That's all I know how to be, man. <laughs> I'm just over here getting Big Willie style. Oh, shit. Getting jiggy with it. No, 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 no. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith's actually a big dude. When we were, when I was watching... I mean, I'm just going to jump right into it. Today we're going to be talking about <laughs> I Am Legend. <laughs> and... I don't even know why I picked this one. I thought it was because I thought you really liked this movie, but we kind of have the same uh, mentality about this film. You know, it was kind of like a little one and done, and oh, it was all right. I'm glad I saw it kind of thing, but that was pretty much it. Uh, at least that was my my memory of it, but I was yeah. thinking to myself, man, I bet Zach fucking loves this movie. <laughs> well, and we'll get into it. I, we will, we I, will. I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, I, I was like, it. if I hate this movie, then Zach probably loves it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crazy edit. Uh, I'm crazy. So how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? It's uh, 2019 now. You believe that? Yeah, it's weird. I've uh, been out of high school since <laughs> a long time. 14 years. I've uh, been wow. out of college for nine years now, technically. I mean, not really, because I graduated in June, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. We're almost 2020, and I feel like we should have hoverboards and stuff now, and flying cars. I, mean, I don't have anything cool. I know. I feel like Judgment Day should have happened. Where's Where's Linda? Where's Linda Hamilton? <laughs> She's gonna save us. Doesn't She's the new bugged. Doesn't the new Terminator movie come out this year? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, and she reprises her role. They're They're basically just they're retconning the whole franchise. Right. It's just, a sequel to two. T two. Yeah. The so. rest has never happened. Yeah. We'll just uh, chalk it up to alternate realities. VR, man. That's what starts the uh, Judgment Day. <laughs> I mean, what does that say? Just as a filmmaker, if let's say you made a movie, you know, you have all these hundreds of people, maybe thousands working on it, getting the job done, putting it out there, being proud of it, and then, whatever, ten years later, someone's like, man, you should suck. <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to pretend it never happened yeah. and uh, start over. Um, Would you be offended? Uh, I, I feel like in Hollywood, you can't be offended. But, yeah, down inside, I would be offended. Yeah. I have this um this thing where I, I just need people to like me. And, it's, <laughs> and it sounds bad because I, I, I come off as conceited sometimes. And I'm like, I want, I'm, I'm an a-hole, right? But, man, I, I do want people to like me. So I think that that would be... I'd get eaten alive if I was a director. Yeah. <laughs> I just think, is, is this okay? Are you, are you okay? Is the temperature fine in here? Like, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, oh, man. Um, so Dave Edmondson from Geek Legacy Podcast, he was um, doing a lot of assistant directing um, over the years, and there was one time where he was making a movie, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was in it. Oh, cool. And she wanted a, uh, I think she wanted like a room temperature water, and she was given a, a cold one. <laughs> <laughs> and 
she was like, oh, this is cold. And, he, and the, the production assistant who gave her the bottle was like, easy, fast time. That's all, all we got. And, and David had to fire this kid because of that. <laughs> it's like, okay. Just, it's Hollywood, man. Awesome. Can't rub anyone the wrong way. She hasn't done anything remarkable in, you know, 30 uh, years. That's, easy, fast that's time. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. It made David's day. I'd say that was worth it. Yeah. That's so sad. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Alrighty. So, this week, we're going to be talking about I Am Legend. came out in 2007, starring Will Smith, directed by Francis Lawrence. Um, This is actually the second major motion picture show that Francis Lawrence directed at the time. Uh, His first big-budget movie was uh, Constantine in 2005 with... Uh, Keanu Reeves. That's a good movie, I think. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> you mean John Wick Constantine? Right. It's kind of like the same fucking thing. <laughs> Except John Wick's amazing, but yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, before that, he had pretty much only directed music videos. Oh, that's how a lot of directors get their starts, too. Yeah, doing some Britney Spears and Shakira. Ooh, yeah. I love that Shakira. So her hips don't lock. Oh, God, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was from Minnesota for like 10 years. What? Because <laughs> really? of the way she sings. Not really 10 years, but like... Maybe ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like if Francis McDormand's character, but broke Whoa. out into song in Fargo. Hi there, Shakira. It would have been Shakira. I think I'm gonna bark. <laughs> but I'm just, uh, you know, uncultured swine. So what can I say? Uh, but yes, Francis Lawrence. This was his second outing for a feature motion film, and. Um, I don't know, would you call this an ambitious movie or not really because it's sort of this post-apocalyptic world where there's really only a few, a handful of talent in this in this movie. It's more of a one-man play than anything else. Well, I think that alone speaks to Will Smith's acting skill. Like, he's, you know, some people are polarizing, they don't really give him the props he deserves. He's, he's fantastic. I, I think he's a great actor. Um, but for this film, it wasn't, like, transcendent, but at the same time, so... 28, 28 Days Later, that came out, what, um, like 2002? This movie came out in 2007, so you had like five years of, of slight zombie stuff, but this one kind of, I would say this one kind of started the whole, um, you know, Max Brooks, like, zombie survival guide, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Did we got, you read that? Yeah, it's oh, awesome. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it, it's, fun. it's so practical, too, because mm-hmm. I think about my zombie apocalypse stuff, and I'll pose that question to you later. Um, Jason Statham on my team. No, he's dead, man. He didn't make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine Jason Statham zombies beating the shit out of everybody? <laughs> I'll have some wrong. <laughs> I'll take your virginity, too. Oh, um, so, I don't think it necessarily transcended anything, but it, it could be argued that it started the whole zombie, like the Walking Dead stuff. I don't know when when Kirkman started. Was it Kirkman who wrote Walking? No, yeah, yeah, Robert when he started writing Walking Dead comics. But um, I mean, it was it was fun. And these are are neo zombies. They're not necessarily, you know. I mean, they're kind of vampire esque. But they're not even really dead. They're not even dead. Yeah, they're yeah. alive. I mean, because like Dawn of the Dead, um, with that was directed by Zack Snyder. That was in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was also one of those fast zombie type movies. Yeah, that's what is terrifying. Yeah. So like twenty eight oh, days yeah, later. Yeah. Um, when they when they had the the fast moving zombies that are rabid and mm. just out to get you versus the <laughs> moaning type the slow, yeah. that just get you by numbers. Yeah. 
um, I remember just being downright terrified by being the idea of just being chased. Yeah, just freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the fat guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna get eaten fast. I'm the I'm the gazelle that's got a little hitch in my giddy up. <laughs> isn't gonna make it. You're the gazelle that Will Smith is chasing through New York, but you get shot. So. Oh yeah, Ugh, that, that whole deer CGI. Yeah. That's, uh, so that's not good. <laughs> it's bad. Um, oh, they put all their money in the, in Will Smith that they didn't have money for CG. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the box office numbers for this thing. Uh, so about 150 million dollars was the yeah 150 million pesos was the uh, was the budget. Um, but it did make its money back. It had a pretty good opening weekend, 77 million, which I think in standards of a film is, is pretty good. 80 million, especially for what? Uh, ten, yeah, ten any any ago. any non Marvel or Star Wars yeah. movie. Yeah. 77 million is pretty decent. Absolutely. Because this was the year of Iron Man. This was either before Iron uh, Man or the was, year of... It was uh, just a few months before. Because this came out yeah. in December 2007, whereas Iron Man was there we go. summer of 2008. Along yeah. with uh, Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they, they shared a summer. Okay. Well, well, there we go. So, um, 77 is respectable. Uh, but box office-wise, um, 256 million? Uh, domestic, domestic, and then worldwide it did almost six hundred million. Prestige, uh, world, wow, <laughs> putting in the man hours. <laughs> investors, investors, possibly you. <laughs> so yeah, five hundred eighty-five million worldwide is pretty good. That's but, pretty good. But you got to figure that is solely on the star power of Will Smith, just yeah. being a worldwide recognizable actor and yeah. talent, that he was able to bring that kind of box office draw. Because not everybody's interested in a post-apocalyptic world. It's true. They're interested in uh, Bel Air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and princes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <Some> royalty. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the cast itself, yeah, you know, his daughter's in it. That's some fun. Oh yeah, Willow. Fun fact, yeah, I whip my hair back and forth. She whipped her butterfly hands back and forth. Oh yeah, the butterfly. Uh, we'll get into that. That's little shoehorned in there. Um, and then you got Mr. Ozark, uh, Charlie Tahan, I think is how you say his name. Um, he uh, plays Ethan. He's a little boy, a survivor, yeah. who's immune to the, the horrible. And then Alice Braga, who totally caught me off guard because I felt like I had seen her before. And then when I saw her name, I was like, holy smokes, I wonder if she's related to Sonia Braga, who was uh, in a lot of B-budget films in yeah. the 80s <clears throat> and 90s. Uh I think one of her bigger roles was actually in um, the Milagro Beanfield Awards, which was directed by Robert Redford, and she's actually ah, pretty amazing. Nice. She got naked in something. <laughs> Throwing that out there. I mean, everyone has to get naked in Hollywood, right? That's Isn't true. That like That's how you make it. That's how you make it. <laughs> That's what they told me anyway. I'm still waiting on the check. I know. That casting couch sure was comfy though. Ooh. Mine had lumps. <laughs> Mine was like stained and sticky. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. Um, so what happened to the IP there, Justin? Eh? Well, so not a whole lot. <laughs> Obviously, this is based on a book by um, Richard Matheson, which you actually read. I did. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good. It's, um, it's a very easy and quick read, but it's fun. Um, so Matheson actually did a bunch of episodes for The Twilight Zone, and he's actually... 16th. Yeah, he actually did the probably arguably the most fa uh, famous one, The Terror at 20,000 Feet, I believe, uh, with Shatner, uh, with the... Nightmare. Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. I apologize. Um, where he has a, uh, you know, there's something on the wing, that one. Um, so it, this, this, there's something, 
It's like in Space Ghost when he's got to like shoot the, the plants with the rays and he's like, they're feeding off the rays, <laughs> but he's still shooting the laser beam at the red. so funny. Um, I love how timeless science fiction can be. Oh my gosh. Twilight Zone is one of my favorite series of all time. I just, I love them. They're so thought provoking and they've, um, so sexual talk- and violent. <laughs> <laughs> He's like sex on ice. Um, think of the IP for that. I mean, there's so many spinoffs and, and, and movies and books and stuff that have taken those ideas. Um, and Serling, he was so cool. He actually um, just died, um, only five years ago. Really? He has such a cool voice. Uh, so anyways, uh, Matheson developed this and it reads very much like a, uh, like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, you know, uh, essentially about humanity and, and what makes us human and what would happen in this post-apocalyptic world and so on and so forth. Uh, iterations of it happen, though, um, in film where we had The Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price. Uh, it came out in, I think, the 60s, 50s. Um, not great. It uh, was kind of a flop. Uh, like a fish. Yeah, critically. <laughs> um, it did tackle more of the subject matter of the book. Um, towards the end, which was great, and we'll get into that later. Um, the Omega Man, starring uh, you know, Charles. <laughs> I don't even want to say his name. <laughs> He's like one like of the NRA like guys. Cold dead fingers, NRA <laughs> Heston. Uh, great actor. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I think he overacts. I'm I'm personally he was he was great in uh, Planet of the Apes. I'm not one to damn you, damn you all the hell. So he's like, um, I made a bad life choice by going with this guy. <laughs> don't beat me, please. My uh, my my guns are you know right here. I got <laughs> machine gun Kelly over here. <laughs> I got I got BB guns, some, some Nerf guns over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some secret shots. Dude, I can bench a hundred pounds. That's triple digits. <laughs> Bench the bar. <laughs> um, so uh, the Omega Man, and then this, um, which kind of was a, a hodgepodge of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's it's a good book. It's an easy read. It's a little more uh, you know morose than than this film. I would say. Do you yeah. think that this would be a better Twilight Zone episode than yes. a motion picture show? Yes, a yes, full, yes, a full yes. Length feature film. Uh, especially since did you hear this news that Jordan Peele was going to uh, reprise the Twilight Zone essentially, um, kind of like a spinoff of it, but not necessarily the Twilight Zone exactly. He's going to use the same type of um, stuff. So, same type of ideas and format, but Jordan Peele's great. I think he's one of the, the greater minds out there right now for horror films and suspense films, and uh, he's he's awesome. So, right. I'm, I'm excited for that. It's but. just a, a new, fresh look on yeah on things. You know, there's a lot of a lot of creative minds out there that Charlie, Charlie are starting to get a chance mm-hmm. to make these amazing films. Well, that's why Netflix is so great, Netflix and Hulu and stuff, because they'll they'll give, you know these independent filmmakers a chance and we've seen some amazing content from Netflix so you know you know, you know that um, right <laughs> um, Richard Matheson also did Steel which yes um, got yes. made into um, Shaq real well <laughs> oh, no, oh real steel <laughs> real steel not to be confused with the the not Superman that's, movie no that's right and yeah. it's so that book that I have because it's a short story so that book that I have has that in it, and for some reason, I was thinking about it this morning, and I was like, what was the thing that was in there? I could have opened the book and looked, but I was like, I feel like there's a spinoff of something. And when he said steel, I was like, oh, Shaq. It's like Rock'em Suck'em Robots. Yeah. 
Did um did you see Stir of Echoes? That was also one of his. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, I did not, but I remember the box where Kevin Bacon was looking all Kevin Bacony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Riding a giant worm in the sand. Just boogie. <laughs> <laughs> Tremors is actually one of my favorite uh, movies. Tremors is good. Yeah. The, the Stir of Echoes yeah. is actually pretty amazing. Um, it it's one of those ones where if you saw it, you probably liked it, but it um, Kevin Bacon and horror and. What is that noise? <laughs> Red Dawn, they're coming for us. Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> Do I sound good? Yeah. Okay. You sound okay. fantastic. Making sure. No, you sound great. Um, but yeah, I like Star Echoes. But I mean, in the end, Richard Madison has come up with some very creative stories, and some of which have just spawned more and more um, storytelling in various forms. A lot yeah. of inspiration there. Yeah. Um, Want to jump into trivia? Yeah, what do you got, man? Cool. Uh, I have... Um, what is Will Smith? Who is Will Smith? <laughs> who, who or what? Uh, he's Well, he's the freshest prince. Um, he, uh... So... He, this, Uncle Phil is Shredder. <laughs> this, this film... This film was cool because... Um, I, I'll go back to why I was saying Will Smith's one of the, the greater actors of our time. Um, he just does a fantastic job, and it's, it's a lot to be said of an actor to... Uh, who, who can command a, a cast, who can work well with others, but then there's those ones who can really hone their skill by performing solo. So, um... Didn't he, his son do that in that other movie? Which one? Oh, Earth, Earth uh, something? I don't... Yeah, I erased that. From Earth 82. Uh, <laughs> what was that one called? Um, Planet Earth? No, it was called Getting Earthy with it. Um, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. I don't know. With Jaden Smith. That right? movie was awful. Was it? Uh, Beyond Earth? I don't know. Earth 82. <laughs> <laughs> Over the mountains. Um, <laughs> that Earth looks good. How about, how about the other one? How about the mountains? Um, okay, so. What was but, that movie? But what I'm saying is. After Earth. After Earth. There you go. Um, so yeah, he uh, his ability to act so well and, and present emotion and um, feed off of something that's not there. He doesn't have any other actors to bounce lines off or, or anything. He just has his dog. Um, the same thing is like for Castaway, when Tom Hanks, he was amazing in Castaway, in my mind. I mean, he had an inanimate object, Wilson, and at a certain point, the audience... Yeah, buys into buys it. Buys into it and, and can, can you know, vicariously see what's going on through through Tom Hanks' eyes. So not everybody can, can do this. Now, no. Now, no. do you think that... So, so Sam, the dog... Yes. Is is basically Will Smith's Wilson? Yes. And do you think that we, as an audience, need that? Do they need to have somebody else to talk to, I, so you don't go crazy? You know, and I, I think so because I think of a more recent movie, um, Lock, with Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, it's essentially an hour and twenty minutes of him just driving, but he's talking on his speakerphone because he's going from point A to point B for a reason that he discloses throughout the the film. Um, fantastic. Tom Hardy suffers the most highs and lows you can get in, in one sitting in an hour and a half. And it's, <laughs> it's so well done. Um, yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it. Lock. Uh, but same thing. He uses the speakerphone for that, essentially. So I, I don't know if you can necessarily have your, your main and only actor doing stuff. You have to have some sort of almost antagonist, but some sort of person who they can, they can work with or do something with. Um, so wouldn't we call Sam and Wilson like a supporting character? <laughs> I would say I, w- I would call them supporting characters. I would call them supporting characters. 
right. So, um, but yeah. Uh, so, Where were you getting that? So, <laughs> well, we got we got on that little that little diatribe. Um, so. Uh, to study for the role, Will Smith, he uh, talked to prisoners in solitary confinement and asked them, you know, what do you do to, to pass the time and that kind of stuff? And they say you have to have a very rigid schedule. That's the only way you can get through it is just having that schedule because that gives you something that you can plan throughout the day. Um, otherwise, we'll essentially get bored. Um, but when we see this in the film, right? He wakes up at a certain time. Uh, he's checking the almanac so he can see when it's, it's sunset. He works out. He eats. He... Uh, maps out stuff well he you know it checks safe houses he's very very meticulous um and i think that is how you have to be uh and he got in crazy good shape i mean they added that scene for the pull-ups when i'm gonna critique him he wasn't going all the way down for his pull-ups but right. whatever you know um, <laughs> well he figured no one was watching <laughs> except everyone but yeah um yeah so he got in great shape for that uh role but um he solicited the advice from the prisoners in solitary confinement which is insane to me because that makes sense when you think about it. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. Um, so we were talking about it earlier, what they call the creatures. Uh, in the film, they call them Dark Seekers. Um, but uh, for the subtitles for the DVD, they're called Hemocytes. I had a hemocyte once. <laughs> Did you get it fixed by your doctor? I got a shot. No. I'm not one of them no-vaxxers. <laughs> All right, Jenny McCarthy. Um... Yeah, and then the uh, the original plan was, uh, and I'm pulling this from IMDb, uh, was to have the infected people, played by real people, wearing extensive makeup or prosthetics. Uh, but the first results made them look like angry mimes, according to the crew. So the choice was then made to use uh, CGI characters. And I think we can, we can both agree that the CGI did not age well for this. No, it's it was, terrible. It was not good. But uh, that mime thing kind of ties into what you were telling me earlier. Right, so there's this one part where, I mean, this is, I don't know how true this is, but um, there's a scene when Robert Neville's driving and he sees uh, the mannequin that he calls Fred uh, outside of a building on the street, and it looks like the mannequin moves its head a little, and during that scene, a mime replaced the mannequin to try and play with people's minds when they were just watching a scene. Like, oh shit, did that, did that head just move? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, what's happening? <laughs> well, I think that was so, that was cool because, like, the whole time you're thinking about it, I mean, and again, this goes back to Will Smith's acting skill, is you really kind of see through his eyes and his, his facial expressions, he he thinks this person's real. And after three years of not seeing people, being by yourself, I mean, what if? It's, it's like you start seeing things, almost like when you're in the desert or something like that. Like your mind wants something so bad that you start seeing it. So I think that's why it was, it was cool to, that that was an actual thing. And I didn't know that. So that one blows my mind. Like yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty cool. It was really cool. And I, I do think it's kind of weird, like just the idea of that perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, you know, you would be going a little bit crazy after three years of not interacting with another human being and then knowing that this mannequin does not belong at this particular place, um, that would definitely play tricks on your head. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. So, cool. Want to get into it? Sure. Was there not any other fun trivia? Um, there was a couple. Uh, it, oh, it took them 14 months to do the CGI. I don't... It looked like 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, one of them computery guys, but, uh, man, 14 months... But they, they had 300 creatures, I guess. I just feel like that's... Like, didn't Avatar take, like... <laughs> he's, still, he's still making Avatar. <laughs> oh, fucking Jimmy Cam. Oh, my God. That, on a 
titanium which is expensive <laughs> oh, they shouldn't even do they even show it not on titanium yeah no because you, you should be called an obscenium. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't see it. And then there was this whole bit where he, uh, I had heard that he had adopted the doggy, but it turns out that yeah. the trainer told him to go fuck himself. And that my, that my dog can't, Jeez. can't have it. Man, that part made me cry. Ugh, was, yeah, uh, so, so and, sad. and during the trailer, so the trailer, what while it didn't reveal the dog was going to be um, killed, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, I think everybody had that same opinion going into it. Like, oh man, this dog's not going to make it. Yeah. And that's always really hard. A lot of people, you know, they can just watch humans get just murdered all day long in the goriest of horror films. But as soon as an animal is uh, hurt, it's just too much. Yeah. And, that, and you know, you could attribute it to just, you know, loss of, of an animal that you had once. And it's family at a certain point, right? So oh my gosh, like, yeah. It's devastating. And then just to see it, you're like, oh, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> they actually did a pretty good job in the movie, in the scene when, when he does lose his dog. Yeah. The camera kind of pan- goes up, so you can't see yeah. his dog anymore. Yeah. And that goes that will tie into what I was saying, like the show, don't tell kind of stuff. The right. Exposition, the story development, without having to overtly you know, show it. Right. And, you know, it's even just hearing... A dog like like yeah, whelp, yeah, yeah, that's always brutal. I hate that, God. and it, it's always in a movie too. And and the thing is too, let's just say you are watching a horror movie mm-hmm. and there is an animal and you think it gets killed, but then when it survives, it's like such a sigh of relief. <laughs> like, it's like Homer oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. when chance chance comes back. You're like oh thank God. Shadow. Oh. I was gonna be really mad and send letters to the director. <laughs> like you're yeah, a real piece of shit, you know that. Uh. Do you uh do you want to give a quick plot of the movie for anybody who um yeah I had it up, I had it pulled up here a second ago this was this was written by Warner Brothers this is this is their idea of the storyline alrighty here we go Robert Neville is a scientist who was unable to stop the spread of a terrible virus that was incurable and man-made immune Neville is now the last human survivor in what is left of New York City and perhaps the world. For three years, Neville has faithfully sent out daily radio messages, desperate to find any other survivors who might be out there. But he is not alone. Mutant victims of the plague, the infected, lurk in the shadows, watching Neville's every move, waiting for him to make a fatal mistake. Perhaps mankind's last best hope, Neville is driven by only one remaining mission, to find a way to reverse the effects of the virus using his own immune blood. But he knows he is outnumbered and quickly running out of time. Oh. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good summary. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, yeah. That is that is said film. So, yeah. <laughs> um, that was going the on. end. Credits. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. We saved you guys $4. So, so this, is, this is really the interesting part, though, is that he thinks that he is doing the right thing by going out and trying to save mankind and ultimately we'll we'll get to a point where we can decide whether or not for better or for worse if he's doing the right thing yeah so if we were to stick to our normal format what were when, after you saw this movie in the theater what were your first thoughts your initial reaction so i'm 
I'm glad we did this one because yeah, it's been it's been ten years since I've seen this movie at least. Um, and I actually saw it like I was saying for the um, for the Dark Knight uh, opening scene because before this movie there were no credits. It was the five minute intro to the Dark Knight, which was incredible. Um, but I had a lot of friends who were telling me that they really liked it. I'm pretty sure I liked it because I mean I bought it on DVD, so I'm pretty sure I liked it. Um, but I hadn't seen it in a very long time, and and that was before I could really think about you know the the questions pose the questions for like analytical discussion. Uh, this was like oh he shot people and it's cool and there's zombies and I can do that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I you know I I, I think I liked it. I, so it was good for us to rewatch it because I didn't really like it as much this go around. Um, you know, it just kind of fell flat for me. Uh, I really enjoyed how it was kind of building up, but then it just kind of stopped. It, I felt like I opened up a book in the middle of it and read like a couple chapters and was like, I don't like this and closed it. Right. And then it got preachy. Very preachy. Yeah. Um, in regards to um, God and uh, just belief, uh, even even Bob Marley, um, yeah. you know, I'm I'm all for uh, peace, love, and tranquility. Yeah. Um, but I felt like they went out of their way to explain the meaning behind his obsession with Bob Marley to the point where he named his daughter Marley. Yeah. Um, listening to the music. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a bit much. I mean, maybe when you are the last, what you think to be the last human on Earth, it, it is important to find something to cling on to. Well, I mean, that's essentially what, what Sam was. Sam was his daughter's dog. Right. right. But, and then his companion. Um, I think the thing with Bob Marley that was interesting, though, is he says it, um, he says, you know, Bob Marley believed that you could cure, like, not just, not fake, but actually legitimately cure hatred and racism by love and peace and acceptance. And I was like, that's so awesome. And that was a really cool little monologue that he had when he was, when he was telling Anna about it. Um, but I, you know, I, I liked that part and I thought that that was cool because that kind of, it was a theme in the movie, uh, where we have these infected, they're not even really zombies, these infected. And instead of just being like, I'm scared of them, I hate them or whatever, he is trying to cure them. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it really went anywhere. And the ending sucked. <laughs> I hated the ending. We won't get into that we'll, right we'll now. Get, we'll get we'll, to we'll, it, we'll yeah. Touch but that's, I think that's what it keeps boiling down to for me is, is the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie really kind of bugged me. and But it started out so strong. So you, you mentioned that it felt like you opened up the middle of a book. Yes. Um, and see, sometimes that is okay when you are just put into a world and you just accept that that's what it is. Uh, like John Wick. John Wick. Yeah. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yes. You know, Absolutely. You don't really need a whole lot of exposition. Yes. Um, this movie tried to do that at the beginning with the, um, the interview. Yep. Um, explaining that, yes, we have found a cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. And then... It just hits the fan. Obviously, this cure is more of a problem than anything else. Yep. Um, and then it felt like that was all that was needed. But then it's sort of... We, we don't know what happened to Will Smith's family or Dr. Neville. Yeah. And it is slowly revealed. We just keep getting further and further along with that story that happened. Every time he goes to sleep, we get a new 
yeah. um, flashback that just kind of pieces that story together a little bit more. Um, do you think it would have been better to get all that at once, or do you like how they broke it up? Um, I like how they broke it up. I, I, I think that the strongest thing for me for this movie was the um, exposition, how they presented it to the, to the audience. They didn't, like, say, they didn't have, like, a scroll at the beginning. It was, like, a deadly virus broke out or whatever. They just give you that, that really quick news clip and then end it, then say three years later and show you this post-apocalyptic world. Um, and then there was a lot of things that that Robert was doing and he had to do that you you had to see to really get, you know, to, to believe part of um, what the world was. So, like, um, the flash forward was good, uh, but um, when he's in his house and he's making food... Uh, there's like there's fridge clippings on on the thing because we start out we were like who okay Will Smith is a guy we don't know who he is um, <laughs> yeah he's, he got some beakers and yeah, some goggles yeah, and now all of a sudden he's, he's just, a scientist he's, he's, yeah but on the fridge you know it says like hope or something like that and it's yeah, him savior or savior and it has a question mark and it's him and you're like okay he's obviously really important but that was an intentional shot and I thought that that was really cool and really well done. Um, and then, oh, what was the other part? Uh, did you, by chance, did you catch that shot in the city where it was a Superman and Batman logo? Yes. I was like, yes. holy shit, dude. Yeah, one of the, one <laughs> of the, the future. One of the YouTube channels I watch, uh, Cinefix, um, uh, what's it called? What's the Difference and um, Seven Things You Didn't Know. It starts out and it circles that. Because, yeah, I know, yeah. Isn't, isn't that crazy? I was um, like, whoa, the future. Greatest movie ever, BBS, <laughs> DOJ. <laughs> Oh, Such God. a long name. Martha. <laughs> uh, I hated that. Um, Why did you say that name? <laughs> I wish Destiny's Child would have played that. <laughs> say my name. Say my name. Say my name. Martha. <laughs> no. Beyonce. <laughs> I was a Kelly Bowen fan. Not even close. Um, <laughs> Taboo is my favorite black eyed piece. <laughs> um... So, and it was, it was cool, uh, you know, so he didn't really, at this point we didn't, we hadn't seen any creatures and whatever, and then the movie goes on. It's a long time before we see creatures. Right. We hear them. Yeah, and, and, um, but, you know, the, the subtle exposition, uh, points that they give out, like, with him, uh, running outside, and then, uh, the zombie, or, let's not call them zombies, let's call them hemocytes. <laughs> it's, it's better. The big old white dudes. <laughs> The dark, the dark seeker. B-O-W. When that dark seeker bow. jumps on him and then they all fall out the window and you find out, oh, whoa, they don't like sunlight. So these aren't like zombies. Because you go into it and you're like, Yeah, they're like, they're like mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a zombie movie. It's a something movie. So, but that was cool because he, he didn't have to be like, they don't like sunlight. Like he's talking to his dog or something like that. Right. Or he's typing like. You know, they could have easily done a voiceover narration when he's explaining things, and they kind of do for certain stuff, but uh, but no, I thought that that was really, really cool. So that's actually, my favorite scene is when his dog goes running into the building after the deer. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they're starving, but they definitely want to spruce this goose when it comes <laughs> to their food, and so they're chasing after a deer. The dog, uh, Sam, does not listen to Neville and goes bolting into the building. Yeah. And um, he's you see that he is legitimately scared a couple of times. Uh, the first time is when he's in the bathtub and he's just laying there with Sam oh, yeah. and he hears the shrieking sounds outside. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yep. Then when he goes into the building after Sam, 
Yeah, he's covering his light on his gun. We don't really know what to expect. We haven't seen them yet. Um, he's put his hand up over the light just to kind of block it, and then he's just kind of moved his hand to reveal areas as he's walking. And he even says, "I, I can't, I can't do this. You know, I have to, I have to go." Yep. Um, but then he gets that um, that courage, which you need. They say you need um, to experience fear to really, you know, pull in your courage and everything, right? So. He moves forward, he goes up the stairs, and this is terrifying. You know, this is when you get those claustrophobic vibes, and you just think to yourself, man, I get scared just going out to take out the garbage at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. going into this building where there's these monsters, well, we'll call them monsters, and then when he finally um, turns the corner and shines the light, and you see them all standing in sort of like a huddle, that was terrifying. That was really weird. I, I was like, "Why are they? Are they eating someone?" It was. Just, it was really. They were just standing there. Yeah, they're they're weird. almost like in a like a catatonic uh, trance or yeah. something. It was really bizarre. no. This they, they didn't that scene. I was tense. I was like, because we've all been in that in that like dark room situation, and the fact that he had the, the foresight to like you know cover his flashlight and stuff, and even he's like Sam, and he's like I gotta go. Like he that self preservation thing, but he he can't leave Sam. It's Ooh, that was a that was cool. That's a good scene. That was a really good scene. Probably the best scene in the entire movie. Ooh. Uh. All right. What do you think is better? I really like when he had the bacon. Um. <laughs> you know, um. Oh man. Okay. So let's. I want you to finish what you're saying, and then. Um, we'll right. So yeah. the reveal is that he sees his dog. Even his doggy is scared. She's hiding underneath the table. Or the desk, whatever it was, and then we get to see. Um, what Sam is looking at, and you know, jump scare, yeah. and then and then we hightail it, we run, and and then we get to see the effects of the light, them banging their heads yeah. on the ground. Yeah. They can't take it. They're just a bunch of angry, <laughs> angry little <laughs> dark dwellers. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then we really get a sense of what this is all about. Like, yeah. oh my god, you know. But what's interesting, too, is that it immediately paints them as the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, my God, these are the monsters. And and that's just one of those things where we're so quick to just judge. You know, we have the only information that we have about these things is that they're infected, that they are aggressive, and um, extremely violent. Um, but we don't know why they are that way. We just call it an infection. Mm-hmm. They're the ones with the problem. They didn't wash their hands before they ate. They're dirty. <laughs> they lick their hands. It's gross. <laughs> They're not pink eyes. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think it's cool because we as viewers get to kind of experience all this stuff as maybe Neville probably did at, at first. Like, he probably didn't know that the exposure to sunlight killed him immediately. I mean, well, maybe. But um, we get a kind of... Ex- it's fun. We get to figure these things out as we go along. And like, oh, why is he doing this? Oh, why is he doing that? Oh, okay, cool. Like, I was I was watching it and I was like, I wonder why he has the Goodfellas movie in his, like, cabinet of guns. Yeah. And I realized he went to the DVD store. And I'm like, oh, my God, that makes sense. Right. And, and he even says, I'm halfway, halfway down with the G's. G's. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that I, I, th- I don't think this movie was short of tension. I mean, there was a lot of really good tension. Even in your talk, like you're saying, we're seeing all this stuff unfold with the watch beep, and then he, he has to barricade his house. Right. There's cues. There's, There's all sorts of cues. Yeah. The, the lighting is one of them. You mm-hmm. know, where the sun's at. He's always looking at the sun mm-hmm. as part of his concept of time, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Because there's, 
I don't really remember a whole lot of music <laughs> in this uh, movie. Other than Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, you know, there there is a lot of a lot of audio cues and even visual cues in this movie with the the sunlight, the darkness, the um, the just the passage of, of time and how lonely he really is. You know, yeah. he has his doggy, which is great, but and he has his routine, but you can see how he's tired of it. Yeah. It's weighing on him pretty heavily. Yeah. And and that's something that, unless you have been in solitary confinement <laughs> or strand, stranded on an island somewhere, yeah. we have no way of really relating. Loneliness for us can be just coming home from work to an empty home and, you know, eating dinner by ourselves or something like that. I mean, that it, it can be powerful and depressing, but magnify that by a thousand when you're the last human being on earth. Right. That's yeah. tough. <laughs> that's a tough pill to swallow. In yeah. fact, it's probably a suppository. It's <laughs> too big of a pill. Um, no, I agree. Um, what do you think is a better scene than that? So, I <clears throat> I really liked, and I, I'll just pose this to you. Um, I, when they, when it has a flashback, and he's Lieutenant Colonel Robert Neville, and he goes and gets his family, um, you know, Mad Rush, they're out of there, uh, they're going... His child's really innocent, you know, the whole butterfly thing. I think the butterfly thing is important because it kind of sets up for later on in the film. Um, but Swing also, away, Meryl. Right, right. <laughs> God. Um, it's behind. <laughs> you um, allowed music to scare the shit out of me. Oh, God. That, that scene scared the crap out of me in signs. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going and his wife, you know, it's frantic. She's asking questions and she's like, is it airborne? Is it like, she knows she doesn't have to be like, what's going on, Robert? Like explain to me. Like she, she knows his work. Um, and then they're going through that, that quarantine zone, military checkpoint. Um, and the devastating thing happens is she doesn't pass her retina scan. Right. All hell breaks out between them. And he's like, you know, scan her again, scan her again, stand down. I'm Lieutenant Colonel, blah, blah, blah. They scan her again. And she's fine. That part, we rely on technology so much. But when you're in a quarantine zone and you're saying who's who's going to basically die and who's going to live, the probability of that happening scares the shit out of me. Right. Because think of how many people might have been scanned wrong that actually were okay. Right. And then they have to go die with those infected. Like, oh, man, that part got to me. I was like, shit, not only does he have to see his family go, he's like, this is chaos. And, and, I mean, that's something that I think the, the filmmakers really hit on this one was humanity and, and what happens in that situation. It's not just a chase them, shoot them, zombie movie. It's like, you got to think of all the all the other collateral damage and the repercussions that happen with this and everything that weighs on you. And I think, back to your point, with him uh, being alone, uh, it's it says a lot to his performance in it. And, and like, we, we understand why he talks to mannequins and stuff is because keep his sanity exactly he's so isolated and oh man but yeah i i thought that part was really good but that that scene when we first are introduced to the to the um night seekers or whatever they're called uh dark seekers i I think that that was really really good and the tension was was very well done in that so that's my pick (laughs) (laughs) um i think we should just rip that bandaid off and let's talk about uh sam Talk about the sad scene with Samantha dying. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, I also okay, and but the only good thing I'll say about that is we did find out it is a female dog. Did you think that was interesting? Because when I first saw this, I remember this is something I specifically remember. I thought it was a male dog because he kept calling him Sam purposely, and then you know he goes Sam, like, Samantha, 
they never really implied any other time that it was a female dog. Do you think? What do, what, what do you? Why do you think the filmmakers did that? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I don't know if it's to 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 tug at our heartstrings in some way. Do Do you think it was maybe to like subvert our our not our expectations, but what we kind of already assumed to make us assholes, basically? Right. For assuming it was a male, <laughs> dog. a male dog, maybe. Yeah. I've you know I've I've had. Um, two dogs in my entire lifetime yeah. and both were female dogs um, I've always only ever had female dogs um, when I was a kid in cartoons the dogs were always boys and the cats were always girls <laughs> kind of a weird thing to think about but maybe we're even you know made to kind of think that way it's kind of strange yeah and I mean I, I don't really have an answer for it other than maybe it was kind of like to subvert our expectations for that and be like, ha ha, like, you know, how dare you jackasses think that it's just a male, male world. Like we're the only ones that would survive. I, I don't know. I think that's thinking a little too much into it, but I really don't know, honestly, but I thought that that really surprised me. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad the relationship that they were able to portray with him and, and Sam, uh, throughout the film, it really kind of got you, you know, loving the dog and who doesn't love a dog? They're so innocent and they, they just want to be with, you know... Yeah, you're there everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she's a beautiful dog. Oh, my God. Um, but... And she was defending him. Yeah. He she, was in pain. Yeah. He was hurt, injured. Yeah. You know, they... What are we calling these guys? It's so weird that we don't dark, even remember what they're well, called. they don't say it in the film. Right. Dark Seekers. Sure. So these Dark Seekers had set a trap for him. Yeah. Um, which shows signs of intelligence. Yep. Um, earlier in the movie, he had said that they they being the the monster folk the infected that they were no longer um showing any sort of human behavior so he has essentially given up on them um it's hard to study these these infected because of their lifestyle Um, it's very dangerous so it makes sense that he is ignorant in their ways um, he only has snapshots of them and how they act around him. So how would he really know, you know, what their real behavior is? But, um, yeah, so when, when when Samantha is defending him to the nail, she gets injured. Yeah. And um, canines, uh, while immune to the airborne, they are not immune to, you know, being bit sad. <sighs> And like you were saying, they did a, a great job with showing, you know, the the unfortunate him putting her down scene. Um, but, oh, God, that scene was just brutal. Right, so her hair starts to fall out. Yeah, and we yeah. saw hairless dogs that were infected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were the again, ones that attacked again, her. Again, show, don't tell. Like, he, yeah. he, he knows. It's not like, a, you know, he didn't say, oh, her hair's coming off. I mean, they're not that dense to be like, oh, right. You know. But it was but even we were able to see in just a half a second like uh oh this is happening yeah. um you know he checks her eyes and then the transition he had a few more yeah and her gums he had just a few more precious moments with her before she turned and tried to bite him yeah that's sad I know. so he and he's com- completely immune to both airborne and being yeah um scratched bitten yeah. whatever yeah he's just got the well, and that's got the glow. <laughs> and when he did his, his math towards the end, and he was talking about, um, you know, the 90% success rate and blah, 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 um, he said less than 1%, so like 12 million people, uh, were were immune. 
and a bunch of those people became food for the for the um, I keep wanting to call them daywalkers <laughs> for the dark seekers. Um, Blade's a daywalker, <laughs> and then Rick Grimes comes in. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it was that was that was a bit much. That was, was a hard scene. To, and you know, he was distraught. He gets in his yeah. car. He goes full on GTA and like just starts. He, yeah. talks, he talks to the mannequin that he wanted. He was the girl he was supposed to talk to. You know, at the, at the movie theater. Yeah. Or at the, uh, movie he's he's trying place. to cope. Yep. Uh, he's going through his stages of grief, um, and he gets injured again. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and he gets saved, and we find out that he is, in fact, not the last human on Earth. Now, now, do you wish that... Um, I don't even remember her name. Anna. Anna and Ethan. Do you want them completely omitted from the story, or are you glad that they are there? Do they... Do they symbolize a little ray of sunshine for you in, in, in this dark world? So, I I think that's the reason I, I don't like this. Now, I'm okay with them coming into the, into the movie picture um, because it serves a purpose and it drives the plot. Um, but I don't like two specific things. One is directly related and the other one is kind of to the side. Um, I really don't like how the leader of the dark seekers they had like a guy a, a dark seeker who was clearly their leader and he you know he came out into the sun yeah, he screamed credited once. as alpha male there you go he's an alpha male um i i thought it was cheesy how they did that and how they never fleshed that out and really did anything about it because why do that they, they didn't have like a versus battle or anything like that right we we, don't, we never jump back to their camp yeah with subtitles of, right <laughs> of <Yeah>. their grunts <laughs> like Mars attacks <laughs> yeah do not run we are your friend <laughs> um so um <laughs> just gave him the old universal donut sign I like the crotchety old general and that <laughs> W2 or whatever he says. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I didn't like how they didn't flesh that out. And then that ties into he sees, you know, Anna saves him and he wakes up in his, his living room. He has his gun drawn and he sees these two people. Mind you, the first people he's seen in over three years. And he's just kind of okay with it. He's skeptical at first, but then she's like, sit down for your food. And he's just like, oh, okay, I'll put my gun down, I'll sit down. I would have liked to see him freak out a little more, like how he did when Fred moved, when he thought that, you know, the mannequin moved. Because that was, I was totally sold on that. Like, is are they real or are they not? And they teased you a little bit by showing Marley and his wife. But it just felt inauthentic. And I, I felt like it was just thrown in there and they didn't flesh that out either. Um, so I think those are two big missed opportunities for me. You know, he throws his plate, he's all mad about the bacon, but I'm kind of like... Dude, I mean, these are the first people he's seen, and he's just gonna trust them like that. I, from everything I know from Walking Dead, you don't trust people. I mean, come right. on, they could be a Negan. There are <laughs> yeah, there are worse things out there than than zombies, and that being yeah. other people, or and in this case, not daywalkers, not daywalkers, dark seekers. Get back in the house, Coral. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, did you do you see what I mean? Like, with how kind of inauthentic it felt. It didn't feel like there was tension between them. It just I was like, all right, cool, I made eggs. Um, right. I felt I felt like she was relieved because she was expecting to find right. other people. You know, she's been listening she to his transmission. Yeah, she followed his podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. And uh, <laughs> thanks. I have one. one yeah, good one. one good one. And uh, so I think I can understand that why she acted the way that she did. You know, she she was excited to see another human, but she was expecting it. But you are right. He he has been doing this transmission for you know upwards of three years and yeah. gotten zero response. Um, he has zero followers on Twitter. And so... His Twitter game is not... <laughs> yeah. So he's just... Uh, you're right, you know. But maybe at the same time... Yeah, it's almost like it's just to speed this movie along. Because yeah. it it's, it's really certainly feels that way. To where the last 20 minutes just all kind of happen. You know? Yeah, it, that, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I feel like the, the, the last 20 minutes of the movie really lost it for me. Mm-hmm. And it was rushed. Do you know the runtime? I'm going to look at the runtime. It's like an hour and 40 minutes, maybe. Mm, ooh, it's on Saturday, January twelfth at ten thirty-five p.m. on AMC. If anybody's interested, I am I not. Uh, <laughs> one hour forty-one minutes. Interesting. Yeah. It did not seem like a one hour forty-one minute movie. It seemed like an hour ten, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I think that's because that's probably when she arrives. Yeah. I feel like that last thirty minutes is really okay. Yeah. When you get the other exposure to the humans, but. Um, just kind of moving along, you know, this, it's, it feels like it's only like three days that we're given in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, his first day when the movie starts, when he's hunting the deer, then, you know, he goes home, we see his routine. That's basically what that first day is really all about. Seeing the routine. The second day is when he captures the female. Uh, the third day is when he gets, um, captured himself. Um, and his dog gets injured, and then the fourth day would be when he's out driving around trying to kill everybody, and then, um, that, I think the fourth and fifth day might even be kind of merged to where, uh, that third day his dog dies, so then he goes, he knows that they're out and about, so then that's why he goes after him, and then he's, he's with, um, uh, gosh, are you, Anna? Yeah. Uh, Anna and Ethan. Yeah. For that one day. Yeah. And, you know, there are deleted scenes where he's actually going out and about with them, uh, they go to like a museum or something. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch the deleted scenes. And um, and that's when he make gets the uh, the fish are swimming around and they're calm. Oh yeah, yes, no, and, no, no. Yeah, that was in the that was in the movie. That wasn't deleted. He he went to the museum and he was fishing. He went to the DVD store. That was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. At least the movie I got on Voodoo last night. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, that wasn't in my movie. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, he um. And that's when he has the epiphany about the the colder temperatures. Having an impact. Uh, no, I didn't. I thought he. The little boy's like, "Oh, this water's—it's cold," and then that's when he so sees. So that I didn't see. Okay. So he, there is a museum scene in the in the real movie. He goes and he's like, he's fishing for fish in the museum, but that was during day though, and so I think yeah, to, to what you were day. saying, yeah, like Sam died. The next day, he did what he needed to do, and then you see him at night after that, and he's driving his SUV, and he goes to the pier to, like, kill all those, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. he goes all crazy. Right. So, in, in there's a deleted scene, I guess, where the boy is playing, Ethan's playing with his fish, and that's when he has this epiphany that, hey, I gotta lower the temperature, so that's why the, well, yeah. the girl's on ice. That makes sense. Uh, it's cooling her down. She's obviously very feverish. Yeah. Um, she needs more cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, all of a sudden there's just these revelations one after another. And we're either given the information or we're not. And it's just literally, this was supposed to be a two-hour movie that they, they just kind of cut, 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 cut. And cram it all in yeah. to where it's supposedly supposed to make sense now. Um, 
But if we jump right into the end where the 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 what do they call day dark seekers so stupid that i can't remember this it's bothering well, it's me because really, i don't want to call them zombies because they're not yeah it's kind of a stupid name for them and that's why uh, it's a microcosm for the film right <laughs> i get what they were going with but they really kind of fell short. yeah botched i'm doing them bad jabs. jabs and uh, so they he, you know he makes a point like hey keep driving till dawn otherwise you know because they don't know where i live right um, they've been watching him for a long time, but they obviously lose sight of him during the day. So they find out where he lives. Um, mayhem ensues, and then we get to this this ending where um, they're trapped on the other side of the plexiglass in the in the dark dungeon and the lab with the Google Glass, and uh, and <laughs> and then the alpha male is there, and he's just banging up against this glass. You know, he's. He's putting his palm up to touch Will Smith in prison, and <laughs> oh, Bill! <Billy. laughs> yeah, yeah, with the nips, and it's edgy, bro. And um, we get the ending that we don't really care for, where he he sends out, he he understands that there's the cure, it is working, gives the vial to Anna and Ethan, send them on their merry way, and he happens to have this grenade, and he blows up the whole place. Um, they get away, they make it to the sanctuary in Vermont, and the movie is over. I mean, it's we can call it a happy ending, I guess, <sighs> but I, th- I feel like the the audience was probably on board for most of this movie yeah. until the very end. Yeah, just how you described it makes me like, ugh. Right, it's, it just sounds it's like a it's a bad idea, role. right? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, and I'm... I don't, I'm not trying to defend it in any way, shape, sure. or form. It yeah. is it is just a rushed, ridiculous ending. It really is. It seems like they like ran out of money or something, or just ran out of ideas, or someone quit, but that's kind of what it feels like. And I think that's where it fell short. And, and they do have an alternate ending, which is a lot better, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I... I felt it was it was cheap. I mean, yeah, hey, hide in here, and then I'm gonna blow everybody up. And you also have this this leader type, the alpha male, who you're like, okay, this guy's actually smart. He set up a booby trap for, for Will Smith. <laughs> but, but now he's just trying to bash the window with his head. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, you'd think he'd think of something a little bit better than yeah. that. Yeah, like, uh, go around the corner and stomp quietly. Yeah. Like, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Love cable guy references. Yeah, and then, um, and then Will Smith's like, I guess it's all clear. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I, I would expect something a little more intelligent out of them, and that's why I felt like it would have been better if they would have drawn that out more and developed it more, because they were working on that, but they just didn't, didn't work do out. it. So, yeah. So, the deleted scene. Let's talk about that. The alternate ending. Right. To me, the, al- <laughs> the alternate ending. The arguably better ending. Still a little bit ridiculous, but I'll... <laughs> It gives you a little bit more time to think, and even you see a revelation in Dr. Neville with this ending, which has, a, I think, a much larger payoff at the end of the day. And that is, uh, it's basically revealed that the alpha male is just trying to get to his mate. You know, there's this a butterfly thing happening. Um, the, the female actually has, a, like, a butterfly tattoo, and um, he realizes that's what she wants. That's the, what he wants. The female dark seeker. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Part. And yeah. then 
So then he he realizes that oh my god he's just trying to get to her. Yeah. I'm, I'm an obstacle in the way. Um, so he opens up the door, and he says, "Hey, I can I can do this. I can cure you guys. I need to get this the syringe. The the other dark seekers are." opening up their mouths and drooling all over the place, getting their hiv all over the building, and and um, the alpha male establishes dominance, like telling them to, hey, cool your jets, yeah. and uh, he's able to wake up the female. And then he gets her back, he being the alpha male, and just kind of gives like one little last look of disgust, like, who the fuck do you think that you are to take us? You know, and then when... He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to cure you guys, and they're like, dude, we're fine. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Um, we don't need your, we don't need your hula hoops and Pac-Man video games. <laughs> we're we're better than that shit, right? Hula hoops and so, Pac-Man video games. <laughs> so then they leave, and Will Smith, you know, Doctor Neville looks and he sees this chart of death, all these shots, these photos of his of his failed experiments, just dead on the wall. Yeah. And and it's. It's revealed that, you know, he is the bad guy in this picture now. He is the one that's capturing these people, murdering, doing experiments on them, and ultimately murdering them. Yeah. That's, those are traits of, like, a Nazi scientist oh, in, in World War Two. They think they're doing the right thing, but really, what's right? Yeah. You know? Not what he's doing. Exactly. No, <laughs> quite the opposite. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so, that's quite a revelation. That's very powerful. That's that's going back to exploring what does it mean to be human. You know, he talks about these these are these creatures no longer establish or no longer ex- exhibit human behavior, which they certainly do. They they are fearful. They um, have anger. They have to go through all the emotions. They love. Um, they can work together. Um, they can build. Uh, colonies, we can call it. He called it a hive, mm-hmm. but you know they were they were sticking together mm-hmm. to try and survive, you know. And it was him that was coming through. He is the boogeyman yeah. that is trying to take them in the night and and do experiments on them. Yeah, that is all very intense and a huge revelation and a way better ending than what we were given. And and the more I think about that, um, we don't see in the film them ever like hunting him other than when he provoked it so when he took the female that was the reason they set up the trap for him they did the exact same trap that he did essentially but he, he fell for it um which shows so much of their evolution right and and just how um, blinded he is right and, and the fact that he says they're not even human yet he fell victim to that trap was pretty asinine right um i i think that that was was so cool because it's not he doesn't know if they're trying to hunt him. They're just, like, trying to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to they're survive. Trying to survive right? yeah, they understand that, hey, whatever, maybe we can coexist, but we got our own thing going on. That's why I liked Planet of the Apes, the, the reboots. Did you ever see him? Like, uh, or, um, like the Andy Circus ones? War for the... Yeah. Right. Fantastic, right? Um, because they're like, hey, look, we're not going to get involved with these humans. We just want to be left alone and do our own thing. We understand you don't like us, but, like... We're not going to be the bad guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just break dance fight when we disagree <laughs> with each other. <laughs> right, Owen. And, um, yeah, so it's uh, it was it was really interesting, but I like that they that they went that route with So I, I feel like that's the Twilight Zone yes. moment, the yes. revelation that 
he is the bad guy. Dr. Yeah. Neville is the bad guy. Well, and, and Matheson's original intent was for that, was for... Um, so we, we start out, and, and Neville's hunting these these Stormbreakers. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, garden hosers. <laughs> these rosin magnets. Um, he, he's hunting them, right? The Dark Seekers. And who gives him the damn right to hunt them? Right. Like, he should... Is, is that survival? That's like somebody saying, you know, they assaulted me, they assaulted... Like, no, what, yeah. what are you they talking about? They took our jobs. <laughs> right? Um, so that's not, that's not something that, that he should be given the right to do. Um, and, and so in this film, the ending that they changed... So the alternate ending was their original choice. The producers liked it. Test audiences didn't. But let's be honest, test audiences are kind of stupid. Um, so they, they gave the people what they wanted, and they changed it to the heroic grenade death. Um, sorry. Yeah, zero payoff. Yeah, zero payoff. Because um, then that's showing that that the 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 garden hosers are are the bad guys. Exactly. And there was no substance behind them. They were just these snarling monsters that right. ran around. And the whole like, movie's for nothing. Monster of the week. Yeah. Right. So it just. That's not the kind of film I wanted. I wanted a deep, thought-provoking movie, and I was getting it, and then it just pooped the bed. Um, so, uh, but the only iteration of this uh, was the adaptation of Last Man on Earth, where it wasn't a great movie, but at the end, he is killed by the the mutants um, because they realize, you know, he's the bad guy, and then he also comes to that revelation too, like I'm I'm the villain here. What am I doing? Um, and I think that's so interesting, uh, and that's the kind of stuff that we can talk about. That's why, like, I watched this really cool uh, video breakdown on it, and um, they added Twilight Zone music at the end of that when when he gets killed. He's like, you know, imagine this guy where you have these mutants everywhere that fear and love, and uh, how crazy it can drive you, and not think that they're human or whatever. But they gave it like Twilight Zone music, and I was like, that would be perfect for a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Totally subverted your your expectations on what was going to happen, um, but yeah, I, I think that was the biggest the biggest missed opportunity of this movie was they changed the ending. That's why they I think they marketed it afterwards. They were like, you know, we messed up um, because you can get the alternate version only, or you can get the theatrical version. I was looking at Voodoo last night, and they offer both options. Oh. They don't offer it's not one with like, oh, you get both endings. It's, it's like you can do this version or you can do that. So, yeah, so it was cool. I went with the theatrical because I wanted to be mad, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I, well, to be honest, I forgot about the alternate ending until they said it, until it said it on the box, and I didn't remember what it was, but I just stuck with the theatrical. Um, but uh, yeah, every, to everything you're saying, though, it's what makes us human, and he was so naive to think that they weren't that that's, I think, what he eventually finds out with that whole butterfly thing and, and like giving giving the person back to or giving the stormbreaker back to the guy. Right. So. And he's also someone that lost everything. Whereas the dark seekers uh, I don't think that they no longer feel that they've lost anything. No, I think they, they're just trying to rebuild. Yeah. I think they're like, look, we're we're this society now, we've accepted it and we have to to move on from there. Um his stubbornness alone, I think, says a lot. Because remember how she was, Anna was saying, "Hey, let's get out of here and go to the mountains for a nice weekend getaway or whatever." He's like, "No, this is Ground Zero. I have to. <laughs> I be have here. to be here." Yeah, it's a uh, hubris. <laughs> exactly. 
So, but everything he was doing, he thought was right, right? Yeah. It's always those people, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Thanos of these movies. Perfect balance, man. Yeah. Um, so, the other thing, Justin, that really threw me off, and... You said my name, so I know this is say serious. Say your name, say your name. <laughs> uh, Justin Michael Randolph... Kevin Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's not your middle name. Um, so, the... Um, the thing that really threw me off and drew me off to it was the religious aspect. So when he's talking with Anna and she says something like about how, how, how God meant it this way, I was like, do you really have to throw that in this movie? I, I know that the source material dealt with some, some deity like factors, but um, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessary in this because they didn't explore it at all at any other point in the movie. Well, they... Except when his family is getting on the helicopter, they do huddle around for a prayer, which we oh. don't even really hear. Yeah, I didn't the, see that. All the noise and the chaos is happening around him, so it's almost like the prayer is—I don't know if "wasted" is the right word, but it's—it's it's done in a way to where we don't get to hear it, and perhaps that's why their prayers aren't answered because it's not even—I mean, you might be overthinking it, but at the end of the day maybe God did not hear their prayer and it didn't work out. That's like I'm busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Call waiting sucks. I don't know. That that just, I mean, I literally went, oh my God, when that when she said that, she right. said something about... Well, I, th- I, think, I think he, religion was important to him at one point and then yeah. he, he cast it aside because he lost everything. Well, and he, yeah, and he was even poo-pooing what she was saying. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, like, that's not real. You can't believe in this. And, uh... So I, I get it, but yeah, I think that her leave the movie, leave the leave the Bible thumping sons of bitches out the movies. Can you just shoot more people? Let me pose this to you: uh, Would you, in the event of these day streakers to come out, <laughs> would you um, go to a large city, or would you go to like a mountainous area, or like an island, or something like that? Oh man, I would. I'd stay out of the cities. Why? I don't know. I just think of all the resources you have, though. I know, but and you get the potential for other survivors. I just feel like you know, even how he's driving around. Yeah. And I just feel like it's not an accurate representation. I feel like there would be so many cars in his way that he wouldn't be able to haul ass like he does well, through the city. But he probably cleared those cars because he he he's very meticulous and he takes the same routes. I mean, you're talking a thousand, he, a thousand days. He's had a thousand, I'm sure he's yeah, cleared them. Sure. So that's why, and we see that. And again, like how they have the exposition, like the world building. He, he goes left underneath the um, scaffolding for the quarantine zone thing because he knows that that's a path. So right. he, like he knows where he's going. So me personally, I would probably just try to avoid large cities. I feel like every zombie movie I've ever seen, bad shit happens in the big cities. Yeah. But all the resources... I feel like the more people there were, the larger the infected population would be. Yeah, your chances of dying probably would be a little bit higher, but but equally your chances of survival might be a ton higher, because you could just hole up somewhere. So, like, you know, you go to Costco. Yeah, but I I, <laughs> I like to be on the move. I don't like to be in one place for, for too long. I've always been that way. I go, if you were to show me the most magnificent painting in the world... I would look at it for about 30 seconds and be like, yep, that's pretty sweet. And then I would walk away. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter where I am. When I went to Hawaii, I got off the plane. I got to my check in my hotel, went down to the beach, 
And I was like, yep, there's an island, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm just, that's just who I am. I'm, I'm, I cannot be in the same place yeah, for very long. I'm kind of the same way. I, like, when I travel and you see people taking 17,000 pictures of a certain place, I walk up, I look, I take a picture, I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Like, even when I hike and stuff, because I hike a ton, going up to the, the peaks, you're like, oh, this is so cool. All right, eat my snack and I'm down. <laughs> yeah, like, head back down the mountain. It's gotta it. I'm, go. I'm like, I've seen it. I took a snapshot in my brain, and there we go. Yep. But I, I think with this, I would probably stay in a city. Um, but I see the benefits of isolation because, uh, and you read that Zombies Survival Guide, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought that was so cool about location because it's like, yeah, you know, sure, an island might be good, but remember, zombies don't drown. Like they can walk at the, the bed of the ocean, so eventually they're gonna probably get to you. Um. I like the mountain thing because of the height and, and how you have the advantage. You have the higher ground and you have the, the elements in your favor. Um, but, uh, but like, if you were in, like, a farmed area and you had a three-story house or two-story house, having that bottom level as just, like, a dead zone would be nice, too, because then you can use that. And then always having um, contingency plans, like, exits at all times. Like, he had that little safe down in the area. I was actually expecting him to have, like, a, sh- a chute or a slide or something like that or a tunnel he could escape out of mm-hmm. uh but he had just like a, a safe that apparently is grenade proof too so it's on the box yeah it's on the box <laughs> <laughs> one of them grenade proof safes there uh with a combination on the inside too just in case you get trapped because <laughs> the bomb like welds it to it um but yeah um so what do you what do you give this movie on a scale of on a you want to do a one to ten or an A to B, A to F? What do you want to a do? A one to two, maybe. Um, a one to ten. I'd probably say it's a. Oh my gosh, man! I got it's it's pretty middle of the road for me. It's got to be a five. Okay, so you're not alone. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it was a sixty-eight, I think. Yeah, or a sixty-nine. Oh shit! It was. It was. <laughs> nice. So the audience score was sixty-eight percent liked it, and um, the critics. Yeah, 69. I mean, it's not not too shabby. 145 fresh and 65 rotten. It's enough to bring it down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Put what you want in the rotten tomatoes, but I <laughs> I, I, I still use it as a but I mean, source. At the end of the day, it is a pretty middle-of-the-road movie. You yeah. watch it, you say, meh, we both went over 10 years without seeing it again. Yeah. And I'm going to um, wait another 10 years. Yeah. I know. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, that's why I hated this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate's a strong word, but I, really like I don't much. think the the payoff is there an hour and 40 minutes later. Yeah. It's I think it's one that we both agreed on. Holy that's shit. nice. Don't be crazy. You know, a couple of my buddies, uh, t- I let them know that we were going to be talking about this on the Twitter. And um, What's that? Yeah. The Twitter machine. <laughs> And uh, oh my god, longest. is that my fat face? <laughs> you're such an idiot. Right. <laughs> oh, you cracked me up. So, uh, my buddy Rob at DigiFluid, he says, I haven't watched it in years, but I remember it being overwhelmingly meh for about half the movie That's before it turned good. actively bad. And then that to awful. <laughs> Terra bad ending, God. Probably would have been way better if the original slash alternate ending was used. The Omega Man was better. And then the Omega Man sort of has the same ending where the, we'll call it not hero, gets murdered at the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, you know, Charlton Heston does the, uh, oh my God, Elizabeth, this is the big one. You know, he's holding his heart and he falls into a fountain. There's, there's blood all over the place. And um, 
it doesn't work out. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> and uh, so there's his opinion. And then um, Mr. Stephen Avalwood at FTN underscore Steve says, um, I like the concept a lot, but I didn't like the execution. Um, that wasn't that good. The ending was awful. I refused to watch it a second time because that dog scene crushed me. I can watch anything a horror movie will throw at me, but I can't handle pets dying. And I think most yeah. of us uh, share the same sentiment. But isn't that, I mean, isn't that essentially what you want to do in filmmaking is push the envelope a little bit sure. and, and do something that will get people thinking, whether it's negatively or positively. Um, I mean, I did you see Hereditary? I didn't. Uh, I don't want to spoil it then. That's okay. Um, but there's a part in there when you're just like, oh my gosh. And I, I remember my theater was was like completely silent and everyone was just gasped and um i i think that's that's good because it's one of those things that you're like why would they ever do that but you're like holy shit and you still think about it it has one of those lasting effects um it was it was heartbreaking right that part but i completely agree with both of them um that's everything we were just talking about it, right. it was overwhelmingly meh that's the perfect way to describe this movie it's I'll watch it if it's on AMC on Saturday, Saturday January 12th at 10.35 p.m. <laughs> probably but, uh, not. Probably not. Probably playing video games. But it's... Uh, Fast forward to a decade from now and yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll go, oh, huh, that. I forgot I had that. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. It's like, it's in my DVD case and I'm kind of like, eh, eh. Right. I, I didn't even pull it out of my DVD case. I rented it because I was just so like, I don't really want to go get it. No. Oh. But why did I pay money for it? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched it. Um, I have it on the Voodoo's. No. Um, but I mean, I, I, I just bought it. I was yeah. like, yeah, hey, I'll just buy it. I don't care. It, yeah. was, it was like six bucks. <laughs> yeah. I've been using the HD movie codes. That was, that's great. I was, you find a lot of uh, good deals on that. <laughs> I know, holy, it's incredible, right? You get the new Halloween movie for like $13 yeah. on uh, if HD. You, if you wait till it comes out, then it's probably going to be like 7 or I 6 I, And that's probably what I'm doing. I got Mission Impossible for... Yeah, Fallout was like 5 bucks. <laughs> I know. And I got it on 4K though. Too, I know. So then it's like 9 I know, yeah. it's incredible. I can see Henry Cavill like reload his arms 20 yeah. times. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so... Actually, you can follow us at um, at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60, um, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on the show. Um, you can even tell us what uh, movie you think we should watch. Uh, we'll gladly take it under consideration. Probably just do it for funsies. Yeah, totally um, Especially if you love it, uh, or if you hate it, and you want us to convince you that it's a yeah. good movie. Yeah, I mean, because... What you hate, I might love. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, we hope you have a fun and festive rest of your week. Thank you so much. In West Philadelphia, born <laughs> and raised. <laughs>